Hey y'all, welcome to Order of Operations. I'm Libby and I'm joined by Nikki and we are back to business after the brief tangent into our social lives. For episode 21, You've Got Mail, we will dive into email marketing by reviewing different types of campaigns, some statistics around consumers and their email, and aspects of an effective campaign, as well as what we've found to be effective. And for this week, let's do frogs. Libby, you get to go first. My frog this week, I think any like multi-center operator has kind of like the weak link in their portfolio. And so I had Karen co-visit mine because I just needed a second opinion because I really don't know what's wrong because they have the same standardized marketing set as all of our other locations. They have a really strong, really passionate center director. The center is beautiful. Like there's, there's nothing visibly wrong and I've had my FBC look into it with me. So I'd Karen out for a second opinion and what we've come up with is that we just don't know why the thing is just not turning a profit like we thought it would. What about you, Nikki? What was your frog this week? My frog this week was to make some really fun virtual engagement with the team because it's something that everyone has been really craving, but we're also like totally like zoomed out. Like apparently Zoom fatigue is a thing now. It was a partial Zoom award ceremony. Then we did a Netflix watch party and we watched The Addams Family because it's spooky season. So <laughs> I love spooky season. Yeah, it was fun. I actually really enjoyed the watch party. And so we're going to plan another one soon. And then we finished a virtual brunch too. So we did a, a bunch of different, different things. It was pretty good, but I can definitely tell people have Zoom fatigue. Okay, Nikki, so email marketing has changed a lot with coronavirus because digital marketing is now one of really the only ways for us to get in front of a lot of people and generate leads slash spark a call to action with our customers because we're not getting to do the same community events and community engagement that is typical, at least for our business model. So let's start off the podcast by going over some of your facts and stats. Your first bullet point was that 55% of emails were marked as spam in 2019, according to Statista. Yes. Oh my gosh. I totally feel this. I don't know if you do too. Like I've gotten so much spam and this stat is from 2019 and I feel like the percentage has gone up. I would say it's probably like 65% in 2020. No, I agree. Your next statistic is that the Data and Marketing Association estimates that 99% of consumers check their email at least once a day. I totally believe this. And then Harvard Business Review had a couple statistics about professionals, and the average professional only responds to about 25% of emails in her inbox, but they tend to check their email every 37 minutes. Yeah, and that's pretty much 15 times a day. Honestly, I feel like I check mine even more than that just because it's a mobile app on my phone and I get push notifications. I do not do that. So the productivity person in me cringes at this number because it's so bad for getting things done. I work on my email in very specific intervals and I do not check it if I am not actively working on it. Nikki, productivity one-on-one. Awesome. Next, you had that Gmail blocks an average of 100 million spam email messages daily. And that is from the Venture Beat. 
I was trying really, really hard through all of this to find one number. I wanted to find out how many emails the average consumer gets a day, and I couldn't figure it out. But basically, from all these numbers, it's a lot. There, there are a couple different things that make that email per consumer complicated. There's a lot of people that have multiple email addresses. So Statista estimates that 63% of American email users have only one email account. So that means everybody else has multiples. And the Harvard Business Review did have a good number of how many emails are in an inbox. And so they estimate that it's about 200. With all of this in mind, it brings to the forefront the question of how do we cut through all this noise? Because if someone has 200 emails sitting in their inbox, and then they also have the spam filter and the promotions tab, and maybe they have like a million folders in their inbox, how do we cut through that noise? And then how do we get the very precious time in front of our potential customers? So let's start out by going through a couple different types of email campaigns. There are a ton of different types, but the more I was reading, the more I was researching, they really boiled down to like four different ones even though there's a lot of different names. The first type, and also probably the most common, is, that, is the newsletter, and that's also called the like informative campaign. So the goal is to just share information, and usually on a regular schedule, too. The next one is my favorite, and I also feel like it's hard to do. It's the nurturing email campaign. And the goal is to build trust through helpful content. This is mostly for like new leads that haven't purchased anything from you yet. The next one is probably the second most common after the newsletter. It's the promotional. And this is just a straight advertisement conveying some sort of value proposition. The last type is a survey. And this is an email campaign that really just hunts for feedback. So you want to gather information from your customer base or your potential customer base. Just a note about those four different email campaigns. There's a lot of subsections of each one. So for example, an event announcement. A free event would be more of a nurturing campaign, whereas a paid event would be a promotional email that goes out. If you're just explaining all the events coming up, then it would take more of an informative tone. All right, Nikki, let's go through these different types of email campaigns, the newsletter and informative, the nurturing, the promotional, and the survey. And then we'll break down how you and I both utilize it for our portfolios. I'll go first because I'm kind of the marketing junkie and I, I've been dying to cut in on Nikki when she's going over the lists. Okay, newsletter and informative. I'm really good about this with our gyms. I'm terrible about this with our mathnasiums. I wish I was so much better. So with our newsletters for the gyms, half the time I send home like a 30-minute at-home workout, a fun recipe that people can try at home to complement the exercise that they're doing in the gyms. I'll do shout outs, so just like kind of like a member of the month kind of shout out, or if someone hit a really awesome benchmark in their like fitness journey. If I were to do this for say a mathnasium, Becky McDaniels has really beautiful examples on the mathnasium of Brandon page. And again, to shout out Littleton, Colorado, I feel like Littleton has really good ones as well that make their way onto the Facebook page. If you share a newsletter, I would just suggest reinforcing it, especially if you do it through like a nice email marketing company, like I know Constant Contact is the one that's provided to us through our franchise. You can grab that email as a hyperlink and you can post it to your social media channels. So that way, if your email ends up in spam or is filtered out of the inbox somehow, at least you're reinforcing it through Facebook. 
The nurturing emails, this is one that Karen's really huge on for mapnasiums, and she does it seasonally, where there's just different seasons to the school year. So it's like how to set your kid up for success, like an in-school routine. So teaching them how to pack their lunch for the week and kind of like meal prep their lunch boxes for the week, how to set maybe a chore or homework schedule with your kid. And it's like informative parent content. Since we're a children-based business, I think a lot of the parent content outside of math and outside of homework time is still stuff that we're still an authority figure on because we work with so many families. She'll do things like fun ways to engage with your PTA, so like fun PTA suggestions. And I know I send a lot of nurturing emails to our PTAs just letting them know all the various events that mathnasiums that we own and across the country participate in. So not just pushing math night, but saying we'll be there for your STEM nights, we'll be there for your fall carnivals, we'll be there for your trunk or treats, and just showing pictures of us doing all these things to show that we are a strong community partner. Other nurturing emails, I'm really big on setting things around like midterm and test time or around doing parent-teacher conference time just to help people out because I feel like those are things that, especially if you're like a first-time parent and this is like your first kid going through the school system, you don't know what to expect and things have certainly changed since you were probably a child. So just kind of giving them those tidbits. A lot of my nurturing content also becomes a blog on our microsite. So if you're ever curious what my nurturing content might look like, I welcome you to visit the blog tab on any one of my microsites. Promotional tip for this, put your promotion at the very, very top. Don't try and like, oh, it's not salesy. Oh, it's not salesy. I'm going to put all this content and that the very bottom is going to be the coupon for the free assessment. They know it's a sales email. They know it's promotional. Put the promo at the very top. If that catches their eye, if they're interested, they can read about it in the body of the email. But just put it at the top because either they're interested at this time or they're not. Second tip with the promotional email, especially with like spam filters being what they are, avoid putting the actual promo in the subject line or it gives you like a two sentence preview of the email that you can type in on constant contact. Don't put your promo in those spaces. Otherwise, Gmail is going to have that be one of the 100 million emails that got spam filtered that day. And then surveys, these are automatically done for us through um, Listen360, which is our net promoter score software. But I back up those surveys where if I get a 10 or a 9 on Listen360, I send a follow-up email requesting that they share that review to either Yelp or Google. And I do that through Constant Contact. It's a really pretty email. And I'll copy and paste if they had a comment. Like if they had a really nice comment, I'll copy and paste it. And I'll send them an email and say, hey, would you just copy and paste this comment and then put it on my Yelp slash Google page? I got that one from my dentist. My dentist sent that to me and I literally just rebuilt it for Mathnasium. And it's just aesthetically pleasing and helpful. What about Enoki? What about over at Temple Ventures? I think this is under Marissa's marketing department, but what does she do for your team for these types of email campaigns? Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like we're kind of compliments because I am resolved to do more nurturing marketing because we don't do enough of it. So ours is mostly informative and promotional. We are actually really disciplined with our newsletters. They go out every month and we have like in-center announcements and that's usually where we put any events that are coming up. So it's a lot of like free events so I guess that's nurturing, but it's mostly with the informative tone of just the, hey, this is everything you need to know for the next 30 days. And 
So that's like, we make those happen. You guys also have them as flyers on your social media pages. Cause I see your monthly activities calendar and they go out like the first of the month and it's like the virtual pizza party and all that fun stuff. Yes. So we do double up there because we do have a fair number of families that are like, oh, I didn't know this was going on. Like, well, always double up, you guys. Always yes. double up. Triple up. Quadruple up. Yes. We have a lot of people that have started to put it as their Instagram story, too. So we are really trying to blast it. We just keep it very focused on the promotional and the informative. And then do other content on social media that's more of the fun, making people laugh. Nice. Okay. So that's what we do for our email campaigns. Let's talk about some like important steps for someone who's going to start diving deeper into their email marketing. So you wrote out some really nice tips for us. First off, it was to have a quality email list. And I see here that you say you have a horror story about bad email lists. Are you saying you don't? I can't be the only one here. I mean, I've inherited resales where they just mass dump emails into their radius and they aren't like genuine leads. They're emails I'm assuming they bought off of a neighboring business where that's a little awkward and they're like, I don't have kids. I don't know why I'm receiving this, but that's, that's been cleaned up over the years. See, I guess we have issues because we're so targeted in our marketing. So like we give very specific information to inactive families. We send specific information to active ones, and then we send very specific information to prospects. And so if we have someone who's like filled out like multiple lead forms, Oh, ooh. (laughs) And we send like a really big special or really big promotion to our prospects list. We inevitably get a handful of currently enrolled families that are like, oh, well, I want this discount. So how about you give me this one? And there's usually a way of how we can say like, listen, if you wanted to do that, you'd have to cancel your old membership and start a new one and you would lose like X, Y, and Z, like special privileges that you've earned through the years so we can get around it. But messy email lists are like, drive me nuts. It just causes more difficult conversations that shouldn't shouldn't happen. I don't know, maybe it's because we don't do like that spectacular promos when we run promos. Like if I run a promo it would be like $50 off because you're doing early bird registration for a summer session package. But my summer session package is more expensive than my most expensive, like normal monthly membership. So even if I'm giving you $50 off that package, it's still not a sweeter deal than my normal enrollment. And then it'd be like free assessment, free registration, which that 149 has value and I don't like waiving it ever. So if a parent were to receive that, I'd be like, no, there's an incredible amount of value to that. And it's kind of like, I mean, have you ever bought anything at Nordstrom's and then like two days later it's on the sale rack and you're like, well, fuck me. I, I, I view, I view my promos that way. I've had very little issues with that. It's more often that like mom and dad both fill out profiles and I'm super, super anal on my team about them cleansing and purging the list. If someone, um, If you do have duplicate accounts and you haven't cleaned them out of radius, we talked about it before, clean up your radius data, A. But B, if you use constant contact, which if you're a mathnasium person, you should. You might not, but you should. 
Sorry, that wasn't directed at you. It was more directed at the people who just don't use constant contact and just don't I'm use. I'm a little targeted. We'll I don't, don't want to target you. It's, I'm targeting the people who have it and just choose not to use fancy email and just use Gmail. Okay, okay. I'm not targeting MailChimp, I'm sorry. With constant contact, I don't know how MailChimp works, but you can import your different email lists. So you can import your leads, your inactives, and your enrolled families. And you can go through and do a select all on your enrolled families and then have them removed from your leads and inactives list. So that way, at least if it's like a duplicate email, you can try and remove those duplicates from the other email marketing list. Um, I used to try and be super, super fancy. I worked with my FBC, Dan Weber, on like just trying to get the data of like whether or not old leads take me up on promos. Like if it's like a two-year-old lead versus a four-year-old lead, like how likely are they to claim my offers? Because he was saying there was a lot of people who just stop hitting leads after they're over a year old and they consider them like an expired lead. And so I used to be super segmented in like what year I received the lead. But let me tell you, they, they will open them for like seven years later. I have 13-year-old leads because Queen Creek is that old of a location and they still, they'll still open them because chances are they have more than one kid. Yes. I was going to say, don't ever stop emailing someone unless they ask you to. Then, like, you have to stop emailing them. Legally. But, yes. <laughs> but either, like, they will have another student, like, coming up through the school system, or, like, their neighbor will, or their nephew, or their niece, or their grandkid. Like, you never know. So keep sending those emails. Nice. Your other important tip on here, and I want to talk about um, the difference between Constant Contact and MailChimp, is to have a quality email client software. So Constant Contact is what we're provided. I really like Constant Contact. I will add the caveat that I don't use what's provided to us through Constant Contact, so we're given a lot of templates. And if you are new to the game and you don't want to have to invest hours in building out like these beautiful marketing campaigns, you're welcome to use the templates from like our corporate team that's provided to you. I personally haven't used them ever, but Nikki, you use MailChimp. So can we talk about why? Yes. And actually I really recommend MailChimp for anyone who's like just starting out and just like starting to build an email list because it's pretty user-friendly. The pricing is pretty competitive and I think it's actually free if your email lists are under a certain number so as you're like getting your feet wet, I recommend starting here. And it allows you to do plenty of like list segmentation. Um, you can just like copy and paste a CSV file in. And so it makes it really easy. So each of the columns then becomes a merge field. We're going to get a little technical here. But each of the columns becomes a merge field. And the difference between Constant Contact and MailChimp that we've found is that we can add columns and like, so we can essentially like add data to the database and make more merge fields. When Marissa sends out an email, she is sending it out to 18 different lists. Well, 18 times three, because we have the current, the prospects and the inactives. And so we have to use merge fields to make this happen. And so we can have the um, center director name auto-populate auto and the signature. 
there's a lot of different things you could like tag people as uh, a couple thoughts you could use this for other businesses it's like if you ask people to fill out a survey and like fill out what their goal is you could reference their goal and have that be a merge field in your email so there's just a lot more flexibility constant contact is actually working on a lot of that so we will switch over eventually but it is just too labor intensive for us to do everything we can do automatically in MailChimp manually in constant contact. For the longest time, I wanted to get a photo booth put in my learning center and I lost that battle so heavily, but I still want one. And I get customized emails from them all the time where it's just like, oh, hey, Libby, we spoke like X number of months ago about this product. I just wanted to send you an updated deck on like what the new feature upgrades we have are. And I used to always think it was like just a really nice salesperson following up. And then one day I saw in the very bottom, it had the constant contact stuff written in. So while it looked like a normal Gmail email, which honestly very tricky of him where it looks normal because there is nothing fun and special about it. But at the very bottom I could see it was from constant contact or from MailChimp. I can tell that like those are the coded fields. Like the coded fields are how old of a lead am I? What product did I express an interest in? And my first name, like just keyed in there where I'm just like, oh, you sneaky, you sneaky bastard. That's interesting. And I, as I was researching the like facts and stats, one of the ones that came up is that the plain text emails are actually the ones that are most responded to and actions taken the most from plain text. Well, it's because it feels like someone's actually emailing you. And I felt guilty because I'm like, you know what? I should just tell this guy, like, follow up with me in a year. Like, you don't need to follow up with me, like, every couple weeks. And then it, it took me that long to realize that whenever you send it through one of these email systems, there has to be the footer, mm-hmm. the footer to the email from, like, the actual thing. But it looks like a plain text email. Okay. I digress. I digress. <clears throat> well, not really. That was actually my next point. Use merge fields for faux personalization. And you just perfectly covered it. (laughs) Okay, I like this one that you bring up. It's automation. So like having an instant welcome email is really important. The majority of sales happen whenever you send that initial welcome email. Would you like to elaborate on that? Yes. So this is something that I'm not sure we can do in Constant Contact. And if we used MailChimp a different way, we could. But it's that initial touch point of like, oh, you just filled out this form. You're still thinking about this. Let me send something immediately to you so that you have more information. And so we do this manually for our lead forms. If we can't get them on the phone. You know, Mathnasium does that for you automatically, right? Anyone who doesn't know Mathnasium, if they fill out your lead form, they automatically get like a confirmation that something was sent. It looks nice because I've had people respond to it and I'm like, oh, this, this is sent to them. Very cool. I agree. You certainly want to send that initial welcome email and then like at least give them some like surface level information about, you know, your business, your product line, that kind of thing. If you're not a Mathnasium person and you're listening, a third email marketing product line that I would recommend is called BrandBot. It works with a lot of really popular CRMs like Salesforce and then MindBody's really big in the fitness space. But it automatically, you can link those two accounts and then you can set up drip campaign emails is what they're called, where once a lead is added, there's the initial welcome email that's automatically triggered. And then until that account converts, they're put into a drip email campaign where 
they will continue to receive the two-week follow-up email, the two-month follow-up email, like however you have it set and staggered until there's like a change in the customer type. So until the customer becomes a customer participating in a free trial or the customer that like has purchased and enrolled in like a certain type of program. And then you can put them into other drip campaigns where it's like, okay, here's the upsell or maybe I sold them a service, but now I want to sell them additional product. So like with the gym space, it's cool. Now they're a member of my gym, but now I want to sell them protein powder. I want to sell them t-shirts. I want to sell them extra like personal training sessions. So BrandBot's really fancy. It's more expensive than the average campaign, but the level of customization, like the merge fields that Nikki just referenced, and the fact that you can set up a drip campaign is like super intricate and it feels like the ultimate salesperson, but in reality, it's just like coded out to the nine on the back end of your email. Okay, and then this is my favorite talking point because I forgot this, like I get lost in the shuffle sometimes and I forgot about this, but then Alex Guppy, who owns three mathnasiums in Tennessee, brought it up during a mathnasium multi-center operator meeting and I was like, oh yes, genius point, Alex. Um, is that you should review your data and compare campaigns. So like checking your open rates and seeing what's working and what isn't. So Alex's big tip on this call I was on, and I was like, you are just so smart, is uh, he has a lot of buttons inside of his constant contact emails. So stuff like, oh, like view details on a promotion we have going on. And then like buttons like say, here's like more details on the elementary program. Here's more details on the middle school program. Here's more details on the high school program. And so he has like all these different fields that like allow people to like kind of customize their experience while going through his email of like what they're more interested in. And he will look at that. And on constant contact, if you like look at the details of the email, you can see who clicks on what links. Let's say you have a lead who like only partially filled out the survey on your microsite and you don't know a lot about them. So it's really hard to do follow-up because you're like, I don't know, is this an advanced student? Is this a struggling student? Is this like a calculus kid? Who am I talking to here? He uses those forms to get more information and then he sets customized tasks and activities for his center directors to say like, hey, this person went into the email. They looked at more details about like our SAT prep program. Please give them a call and leave them a voicemail in case they want to hear more about this or send them a text message saying, hey, here's a customized offer for our SAT bootcamp, that kind of thing. But I'm like, boom, so smart. Like way to get more detail on your customers by just giving them a lot of things that they could potentially click on. One thing I find really interesting is the open frequency. So like if someone's opened your email like eight times, but they haven't called, those are probably the people that you should call. The thing is you've got to look and you also have to use the email client to get this data. Oh, and I just remembered one really important thing about using an email client. It protects your email domain. If you copy and paste long lists into Gmail, you are actually degrading the integrity of your Gmail domain. It's really bad. Okay, that's very important to know. So just for fun, let's talk about companies that do the best and worst at email marketing. Okay, I have an example. There's this company called Shinesty. I know, you've probably never heard of Shinesty. If you went to the Washington DC convention and you saw my center directors and my brother walking around in the American flag suits, they're from Shinesty. They have the funniest, like most creative subject lines where I'll see it and I'm like, oh my God, I need to open the email. Like what is going on? 
And then I'm like, oh, okay, like it's, it's promotional email. So a couple of things that they do and a couple of strategies that I think is really interesting. They're like send from is not their company. They use either like normal names like Rad Williams, where I think that's kind of tricking my inbox because it's no longer like a brand name. It's like a personalized thing. And I'm sure everyone's seen this like Rad from Alignable. You'll see them like tag their company in the send to field, but they'll personalize it as to who's sending it. So I think that's an interesting approach. I think that also helps you like avoid, like if someone's going to spam filter you, if you like change who's sending it. And then with constant contact, this is going to be under my random tip later. So I'm sorry. I'm going to go ahead and put my random tip in here now is if you're a multi-center operator, you can have multiple email addresses in your constant contact profile. So if I want to send emails from Libby.lossing at Mathnasium sometimes, but like from my centers at other times, that's an option you can utilize. And I think that can help you avoid spam filters because if they spam filter like your center email address, but then you send it from your personal Mathnasium email, I don't think Gmail is smart enough to realize that it's the same constant contact like account that's sending these emails. But they do that and it's really interesting, but they also send like funny ones. Like whenever my package ships, it's from like a carrier pigeon. So my email send to field is like Winston the carrier pigeon. And it's like an update from him. And I think that shit's really funny. It's just like, it's a nice little touch of personality to their emails. I digress. Nikki, do you have a favorite company that sends you emails? I just think Shinesty is really funny. I do. So I really like Career Contessa, and they are all about the nurturing email campaigns. So they send really, really good newsletters. And I think like one out of four will be like a plug, and it's not even like an overt plug. It's like a tips for bettering yourself this week. And like tip number four would be like, sign up to take a course. Here's a link to the courses that we offer. And so they're like really subtle about it, but it's all just so positive. And then like the lady who runs it just wrote a book. And so they had already been doing a bunch of like suggested books and book lists. And so now her book cycles through the book list every once in a while. So they're selling things and I know they're selling things, but they just do it so nicely that I still sit and read the whole email. Entree Leadership does that too with their free webinars. And it's because they want us to join whatever their master group is. But I really like their emails. They're the same way where it's just like super polite, just super polite outreach. Those were good ones. Do you have any really bad emails or bad companies you can think of, Libby? I'm sure I do, but why don't you get like the gears turning in my head and tell me what comes to mind for you when it comes to bad company emails? So I have two companies that have been driving me crazy, but I really like them as companies. So I'm really surprised at their like terrible email tactics. So one is Ann Taylor Loft. I probably get like three emails a day from them. Like it doesn't stop. They sent so many, like, we're in this together emails. I'm like, you're a clothing company and like a professional one. So like people don't really need you right now because they're not going into work very much. The other company that drives me crazy, but I also really, really like is Kate Spade. Like they are incessant with their emails. And like, sometimes I'll get like two or three emails, like from the main store. And then I'll get like two or three emails from the outlet. Just stop, please. I just don't like whenever emails have like really aggressive subject lines selling through fear. What is it? FUD. It's fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And I don't like when that's in subject lines of emails because, okay, I'm a person who is aware of like every sales tactic in the book. And when I know I'm being sold to, I'm like, screw off. No good. 
no good. I think that wraps up for the bones of email marketing. And next week, Nikki and I want to talk about just content development in general, as it applies to social media, email marketing, your microsite, just ways to just develop nice content for your brand. So we're going to wrap it up on the content piece of today. And then Nikki and I were talking about problems of the week and stuff. And we thought it would be interesting to start just sharing random tips as it just applies to either the podcast episode or if it's like just burning, burning at us that we need to share a tip. I spoiled my two earlier. So Guppy's tactic of looking and seeing what people click on and then trying to further customize his lead follow-up experience by using what people engage with in his email marketing. And then I also shared that you can add multiple emails onto like one constant contact account. My last tip, I guess I'll have through this podcast, is just like a precautionary tale with your subject line. I mentioned earlier, you don't want to put your promo in the subject line. Constant contact used to not let you put emojis in your subject line. And I guess now they've decided that emojis are a-okay. But I think a lot of emojis, like my spam filter has a lot of emojis in it. And I'm pretty sure like you get spammed whenever you have an emoji in your subject line. Not to mention, it's just not super professional to have emojis in your subject line, period. So I would also be wary of that. It seems like a gamble because research actually shows that emails with emojis are opened more often, but it sounds like the spam filters have wised up. So I don't know the like dates and the order of like how this info is coming in. I also feel like it just depends on like whose emails you frequently engage with because it's how I, it's how I help my center directors find my important emails that I know that they're going to have to reference back to sort of like my equivalent of like a newsletter for a center director of just like reminder on dates, reminder on timelines, reminder on like product and pricing and all that stuff. I'll put emojis in my subject line. So that way, if they like are doing a quick glance at their inbox, they're like, there's the emoji email. I know that the emoji email is like the one that has all the stuff in it, but that's different because I, frequently engaged via email with those email addresses. So I feel like it's not the same whenever it's like less frequent interaction. I honestly got to wonder if there's like a sweet spot. Changing the subject. This is, I'm like ending a thought and starting a new thought, but it's just flowing. I got to wonder if there's a sweet spot for like how many emails you can send to an email address without it becoming like, now you're spammy. Like you said you got like two to three a day from like these various clothing companies. Like obviously that's too much, but that's also the way that like I engage via email with my team. Like we send two or three back and forth every day. So I wonder if it's like, there's a ratio between like how much things are going back and forth is how they like dictate whether or not it's spam. But I don't want to be so infrequent that the email is like, oh, you never hear from these people. So clearly it's spam. Like, I wonder what the secret code is that Google's hiding from us. There's definitely some sort of algorithm because we've had some issues internally because I'll send things through multiple channels to be sure that people get it. And so if people check it on like Skype, for example, or like took notes from my meeting and then don't end up opening the email because I've given them the information other ways, it starts marking my emails as spam, which is really bad. Whenever I enrolled in my Harvard class and I first started getting like, okay, you're enrolled. Here's like the timeline for the class to start. They instructed us to hit the flag on their email address to like add it to our inbox. So that way they would never get the spam and promotion filters. They would always end up in my immediate inbox. 
I wonder if that's just something we need to start incorporating into that initial point of contact with a lead, which is like, hey, go ahead and add us to your email list so that way important information about your student's account doesn't get spam filtered. Because even if you like have an active family, sorry, I'm just going off now. You're fine. (laughs) Even if you just have like an active family that will one day become an inactive family, if like whenever they first enroll, if you coach them to add your email address to their inbox, even if they eventually like inactivate their account or they go on hold or they never come back from hold or whatever the situation may be, at least then you know you have like that customer will always get your email to the proper place in their inbox because you've coached them to add you as like a contact of theirs. These are all good ideas. These are like things to do and make happen. This is why the podcast is important. We get, we get the gears turning on these things. Nikki, do you have a pro tip you want to share? It doesn't have to be about email marketing. Do you have anything? It's about email, but it's about personal email. So, um, Steph, who is now part of the Khalil team, taught me Love this. Steph. Yes. She has so many good little like nuggets and tips and is also just a lot of fun. So <laughs> she taught me in 2018 about unroll.me. What this is, okay, it's totally taking all of my information and like, I don't really care. Take my information. I'm not doing anything wrong. Make my life easier. What it does is it rolls up all of the promotional emails that I get and puts them into one newsletter. And so I look at the one newsletter each day and I can click on the promotions that I actually want to look at. And it like automatically archives the emails and it will like scrub your email inbox and say like, Hey, you have like six new subscriptions. Like, do you want these in your newsletter? Do you want them in your inbox? Or you just, do you just want to unsubscribe? So unroll.me huge privacy issue. I don't care. Makes my life easier, but I highly recommend it. Ooh. Oh, I have one more tip. I just want to like toss in here. Sorry. One more. We're wrapping it up for the day. This is a new issue because now phones have like normal bright mode and then dark mode, which I feel like most people are in dark mode at this point in their lives. Dark mode is screwing me over on my email marketing because I do vector graphics. Like my, my preferred version of the Mathnasium logo is the red and black where it's a vector file. It looks like shit in dark mode looks like absolute horseshit in dark mode. That is something to be aware of. So you're able through constant contact at least to send preview emails to your phone. Since most of your customers, we should have pulled this statistic, whether or not people open their emails on desktop versus phone. I would argue many people check their email on their phone, but if your phone's in dark mode, I would recommend like you sending previews to yourself to see what the email looks like on a phone, on a phone A, like, cause, there's a difference between what it looks like on a desktop and what it looks like on a phone. But more importantly, like what it looks like in dark mode. So user beware, that is an issue now. 85% of American emails get opened via a smartphone. Oh, dude, nailed it. I told you. Okay, there we go. Okay, so certainly make sure that you check the formatting Okay, I feel like that's it for today. Like, I feel like I've done my rants and gotten a lot off my chest on how I feel about email marketing. Hopefully you snagged a nugget from this one. I think that's it for Order of Operations, episode 21. You've got mail. So we'll leave you with this. PEMDAS podcast every Monday. Download and subscribe. Bye. Bye.
how do we sign our emails? Should we say like, sincerely, thanks. <laughs> Best, Libby Lossing, Director of Operations, Mathnasium of, and then it's like all my different lists. And then I got all my different graphics on the bottom. I got a fancy email signature. Also, James Spears has centered his email signature, the footer at the bottom. And now I center my email footer at the bottom because I saw how clean it looked with, with his centers. So now all of my all of my email footers or signatures or whatever you want to call them, they're all centered now because it just looks so sharp. Ooh, well there's another good tip. Also, Mathnasium of Cave Creek has like the most bomb ass email signature because they have like six different icons along the bottom where it's just like Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Yelp, Pinterest, LinkedIn. I was like, oh, clean, looks nice. And then they have a GIF of schedule and assessment and it like weeble wobbles. It's like schedule and assessment. And I'm like, oh, so good. Such a good email signature. Bravo. That's funny. I think that's too much. You got to see and appreciate it. <laughs> little post grant. People will be like, why is there still 30 seconds left on the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> nice. 